Hi, my name is Alex Kelly, co-founder of Bright Flag, and this is In-House Outliers, a podcast where I interview those who've taken unconventional paths and challenged conventional notions of how in-house legal should operate. I am joined today on the podcast by Tom Stevenson. Tom is Director of Legal Operations at Credit Karma, a regular speaker on innovative legal operations strategies, including at Harvard Law School, and is an authoritative voice on the career path from paralegal to legal ops. Tom, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I might start at the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up? Thank you so much, Alex. So I am originally from Dayton, Ohio, a small southwestern town, more specifically narrowing down to Centerville is where I grew up. The reason why I kind of say that as well, too, is while our legal operations ecosystem may seem large to us, I think overall in the general population, it's, it's quite small, but we do have two individuals from Centerville, Ohio in our ecosystem, myself and Maymay from Evasor. We both are from the same hometown and went to different schools. So quite an interesting connection being from Ohio and then graduated college and moved to Chicago where I spent 13 years in the big, the big city, living throughout the city and from the north side all the way through the south side. I did not know that there was two well-known figures in the legal ops community from the same town. Yeah, that is remarkable. And I know yourself and Meme remain close to this day and, and we might get on to discuss the work that you've done lecturing on innovation and legal operations at, at Harvard later on. Did you have a career plan in mind when you were in high school back in, in Dayton, Ohio, Tom? I've always been math and science focused. That's just kind of how my brain operates. My father is a CPA, and so a lot of those analytical skills also come from him. So I kind of was always navigating between a math or science-based major. I did start off as my first major as a pharmacy major, and as a chem lover, I was really interested in pursuing that career path until I hit biology and said, meh, not for me. <laughs> that, that's funny. I definitely lean more towards English and subjects like that. Uh, I did enjoy biology. Yeah, chemistry was, and physics were definitely beyond me. So what prompted you then to study legal studies at the University of Illinois? At what point did you kind of make the decision to kind of move in that direction? That was fast forwarding way down the line. And so after graduating college, I have a psychology degree and knowing that that was the foundational route, I wasn't quite sure what to do. I didn't want to go into that major. I really didn't want to go into being a clinician. And so after looking at some jobs kind of in the middle of the 2007-2008 boom, I found myself having an interview at a law firm for actually a, a front desk receptionist. And that turned into a legal assistant, which turned into a paralegal, which fast forwarded. And throughout my paralegal career, I've always been, whether it's a paralegal or in legal ops, a true advocate for education and continuing to arm yourself with more assets and knowledge. And so after a couple of years of working as a paralegal, uh, I decided to get my master's in legal studies at the University of Illinois, which really gave me a 
second round set of complementary skills that were more than just kind of the paralegal or legal professional administration of legal cases. It really kind of looked into complexities. And I did my thesis actually on a Supreme Court case with regards to same-sex marriage. So it kind of allowed me to further my writing skills and really give me additional skill sets that were outside of my undergraduate or paralegal training through professional workplace. It's really powerful to, to go back to college having had some experience in the workplace and having had some kind of firsthand context and then to kind of supplement that and go back with a different perspective to study again, to add to your skill set, as you said. But I might ask you to take us back to when you kind of transitioned from receptionist to legal assistant into that kind of first paralegal role. What was the kind of practice area you, you were working in? What were the kind of core responsibilities that you had at that point? I started off in the corporate finance and bankruptcy practice area. So for that community, there's chapter sevens, chapter 13s. I actually focused mainly on chapter 11s, which is a unique role to kind of start in because it requires more complex skills than just filing potential petitions or what we would see maybe in legal operations as routine or automated cases. So being able to work on those cases at an adversary level helped me a learn litigation. It gave me core foundational skills of legal research and writing, juggling multi-tasks, client interfaces, as well as internally strategizing during war room sessions. It really just gave me this end-to-end varied experience that I could dip my toes into the water and really focus more in on that encompassed attorney skill sets, legal technology skill sets, as well as legal professional skill sets all in one. And obviously that's a kind of pretty early professional experience after college. What skills do you think you developed at that point in your career in those early days as a paralegal that have stuck with you or you found particularly useful? One is being able to lean into mentorships and build collaborative relationships with your business partners. It it wasn't something that I can say while I was going through it, I can easily identify or talk about today, but it's, it's really, you know, good partners that I worked under that cared about my career, that helped build a career framework for me, that allowed me to grow as a professional, as an ambitious 20, mid-20-year-old 20 individual working in downtown Chicago for Amlaw 200 firms. There's, there's a lot to learn, and having an environment and working at a law firm that supports that really encourages you to to grow your skill set as well too. And so from that it was it was using those skills and finding those mentorships and getting plugged into the paralegal community. And from there I've tried to use those same skill sets here in the legal operations community. So what a lot of I don't know if if people know but I was on the national board of directors for NFPA, the National Federation of Paralegal Associations, as their director of membership. And so I did the traditional paralegal route, kind of as though we see some legal operations professionals take today, which is join a community, join an association, get involved. I decided to take on mentorship and leadership roles and really focus on helping bridge the gap and mentor the next generation of paralegals 
and I'm, I'm trying to use that same skill set in the legal operations community today. As we've spoken about so frequently on the podcast, one of the most compelling things about the legal operations community is leaders like yourself who are helping the next generation find their path, identify opportunities, develop their careers. If you think back to your time as a paralegal, and, and as you said, you, you kind of moved into a, a leadership role within that community and, and mentored others. How did the actual kind of roles that you had evolve over the kind of nine years you spent working as a paralegal? Those roles shifted and varied throughout my tenure and increased as I also continued my development and advancement as a legal professional. It started off with the very tedious work of high profile litigation cases from blue book site checking to table of authorities to knowing how to strategize and understand how the system works, whether it's for good or bad, you know, of if you're filing a high profile case and the seventh circuit in California, and you want to make sure that it's filed at 1158 because you don't want to give opposing counsel any additional time to file or get started on their reply brief. Those skill sets of strategy of business, those were kind of embedded from day one. And I've had a really unique opportunity to work in corporate finance litigation, to work in employment law, estates, trust, corporate, all of these experiences were with my firm that really kind of had this end-to-end -end business practice as an AMLAW firm. So those opportunities were really tactical, if you would. And then that shifted into strategy as I started rising and advancing my career, moving into managing paralegals and managing departments, and then managing support administration within law firms. And the last law firm role that I had, they brought me in specifically to be the first legal professional for a up and coming growing boutique uh, law firm, mass litigation and class action firm. And the goal was for me to come in and within one year, build out a true legal uh, professional team. And so I did that. And after that experience said, all right, I've got all the goods. Let's, let's take this over to in-house and, and share the wealth. And Tom, that trajectory and that exposure that you got to those different practice areas, those that different kind of specialisms of corporate law, presumably was incredibly helpful in that transition into the, the world of legal operations and the corporate legal department side, allied with that experience that you had building the legal professional team in your, your last uh, most senior role. So I'm interested to understand, when did you start to take an interest in legal operations within corporate legal departments? I always tell people that while maybe on paper or my resume shows over a decade of experience in the legal industry and mostly in private practice or law firm side, I think now that we have a more easily identifiable and recognizable definition of corporate legal operations, I was able to easily recognize those same corporate legal operations definitions and skill sets from an in-house side that were really 
easily transferable and I was already doing on the private practice law firm side, whether it was running my attorney time, which we can equate to legal accruals and financial and vendor management to being at the apex of the e-discovery boom and testing out vendors as we were trying to, as a firm, figure out, would we go with relativity or disco? So all of those skill sets I actually was doing and I was leading and I was innovating with on the private practice side while there was no maybe formal definition or connection on that side of the lens when it comes to the definition of corporate legal operations. When you frame it that way, Tom, it it, it obviously sounds like a, a logical step and a logical progression, but no doubt it was a pretty brave step to make to leave the kind of a successful law firm career to join Teladoc Health. What attracted you to, to the opportunity with Teladoc Health? You know, Teladoc Health was a fun and interesting experience. I actually joined Teladoc during the virtual healthcare pandemic and wanted to be able to jump right into that high growth rapid changing of the guards, being able to really get feet first into the M&A world, because that is a world that I was able to easily identify with the decades plus experience as a paralegal, you know, understanding the litigation world, understanding M&A deal desk world, understanding the due diligence that goes into it and supporting it from an operational technology standpoint. So the opportunity at Teladoc came along and I thought, oh, this will be fun. And, and it was. I mean, we were on a roller coaster and we were learning how to drive the bus while at the same time, if you remember the speed movie, making sure that we weren't falling be below 55 because we really wanted to make sure that we were hitting our goals and, and really driving the business forward during an unprecedented time in our healthcare system. I love the speed analogy. <laughs> yeah, that that <laughs> like a, a lot of fun. And what were the core projects that you worked on during that time with with Teladoc Health? We were really focused on driving forward the portfolio and so we had some acquisitions, so we had a lot of organizational optimization in health, merging of systems, being able to merge and combine our document management systems and other systems and technologies. And then we realized one of our first uh, core projects we wanted to take on was finding a GRC system. So it was the end-to-end -end scoping out the RFP implementation of a GRC platform, all while, as I said earlier, while continuing to grow and acquire and really see our legal team add almost 45 people over a one-year period. Yeah, that's a lot of things to be doing in tandem and the complexity that comes with kind of merging entities and bringing systems and processes together is not trivial. You've now obviously moved on to Credit Karma and you've been with Credit Karma for almost two years. Can you take us back to when you joined? How was the legal department structured at that point in time? So Credit Karma is a people-driven, mission-driven, focused organization. And I have the unique opportunity of really working for a fun, dynamic, and collaborative legal team. So we are called the Meerkats, and we are always trying to get to people to say yes. 
which I think is is really a testament to the teamwork and the vision that our GC has. And so legal operations is a core function that not only is highly regarded, but the value of legal operations is realized within our legal team, which is great. So I do report directly to the GC and I'm a part of the legal leadership team. And as part of that legal leadership team, my legal operations team itself is really focused on the people, payments, process and technology, optimization and efficiency of the department. So we have a small but mighty team of individuals that really help not only drive tactical projects forward, but help align with the strategy of our legal team and how we serve the greater business. And the Meerkat name, Tom, is that for the legal ops team specifically? And, and where did it come from? The legal ops name came was way before I joined Credit Karma, the previous head of legal operations. And I'm not quite sure of the origin or where it came from, but I do know that it's something that we really embraced a lot. I love that. And what in that kind of first two years with, with Credit Karma, what were the kind of the key initiatives and things that, that you focused on? When I stepped into this role, I knew that there was a large undertaking because there had been some time that elapsed between the head of legal operations being there as previous person had moved on to another role. So it was really one, as, as we know, most of us, when we step into a new role, we're really tasked with understanding, is anything sinking? Are we doing okay? While at the same time, having to really understand the core fundamentals of being in a strategic role, leading a legal operations department and vision, which is understanding the business stakeholders, really sitting and listening, soaking it in, trying to understand what is going on and how you can start working to get the quick wins. And from there, continue to develop a long-term strategy that grows over time. So I've had this unique opportunity and my team is really impressive. And one of the things that I'm very proud of and excited, and I think serves as a testament to the next generation of legal operations professionals is my entire team. None of them have ever worked in law or legal before. All of them come from really strong backgrounds that uh, our skill sets and complementary to their duties and their vision as program managers within legal operations. So an individual who is a data analytics and technology guru, a person who has really strong project management skills from a consulting company, an individual who was a former AP manager and a billing manager within a company. All those skill sets are are really core foundational business needs and and skill sets that I saw in my team. And, and I'm, I'm really proud of that. That's remarkable, Tom. And I think it, it is something we speak about a lot on the podcast is that there is no kind of defined career path that will ensure success as a legal ops professional. And and it's it's very often that that kind of those core skills that individuals have that are kind of transferable are really what will set them apart. I'd be interested to understand, can you walk us through the structure of your team then and the kind of roles and responsibilities of those those remarkable individuals that you've had the fortune of working with? So how I view 
people operations and organizational optimization and health within legal operations is like any of the other maybe clock 12 foundations or any of the actual objectives when you think of corporate legal operations. You have to take into account kind of the technical or fundamental foundational needs coupled with the organization you're working in and the business needs of the legal team. So for our legal team, we're a very, I would say, mature legal operations and legal team in general. We have our basic tech stack that encompasses most of the legal operations core functions and skill sets from a technology standpoint. We also have some AI tools that stack on top of that. And we're focused on knowledge management and career frameworks and being able to not just have maybe a technology solution or stack, but trying to harness data, have it visualize and tell stories. So I use that when I stepped into this role to really create career frameworks and roles that were complementary to our needs. So kind of breaking it down, we have our people payments and our financial and vendor management as one bucket under legal operations. The next one that we have is our knowledge management and legal operation programs. We then also have a technology and data analytics bucket. And then finally, we have a kind of a PMO office or a, a legal project management office that kind of helps with the overflow long-term projects that are within legal, but aren't necessarily owned or connected by legal operations. It's an incredibly well thought out structure for the team that I'm sure, and I'm sure you're seeing the power and the benefit of that in what you're capable of, of achieving collectively. I'd be interested in understanding, Tom, what's next for the team? We are just going to kind of sit and like every good legal operations cake, we're just going to let it bake for a bit. We're really focused on getting our data connected from our different systems, being able to have the new team members get onboarded properly, to be able to have them understand what program or system or solution they're owning, get embedded in it from an end-to-end -end standpoint. Do we have training? Where are the gaps? Understanding how our legal team works. And I think over the next year, that kind of legal operations baking that our team will do will help us easily identify and steer into future fiscal year objective results. It will help us steer future conversations about objective key results or KPIs that we can drive from legal operations using the data that we've collected while baking. That is really the future of decision-making within modern legal departments is having that centralized picture and visibility as to what the picture looks like today with access to good data. And then from that, being able to derive insights and make better decisions. I know one area you're particularly passionate about, Tom, is knowledge management. And I'd be interested in understanding what, what approach you've taken to developing a robust knowledge management program. Knowledge management is, uh, it, it's, it's a topic that I am passionate about, but to be frank, I think knowledge management is really embedded in most of the core foundational legal operations pillars. It's, it's kind of when people ask me, how do you think technology fits into legal operations? And I'm like, wait, we're still having this conversation? <laughs> so 
I think that we are learning within the legal operations ecosystem and the wonderful community of leaders that have been doing this for years and decades that as we are needing to advance our technology skills, grow our teams, continue to run legal like a business, we realize that there is assets from a knowledge standpoint that aren't being captured or transferred or harnessed from a data standpoint. So what I'm focused on is being able to think outside of just maybe buying a quote tech solution or stack to quote fix knowledge management, but how do we continue conversations? How do we educate? How do we advocate? How do we make sure that we are talking the same language and that we are walking on the same journey together as this profession continues to evolve and find its footing? And as we spoke about earlier on, you're now a regular speaker on all things legal operations. You have spoken and lectured at, at Harvard on legal operations. I'd be interested in understanding firstly what that experience was like of lecturing students at Harvard. I mean, as a paralegal legal professional who does not have a JD after my last name, it was quite honestly, the honor of a lifetime. And there's a lot of things that I take away from the experience of teaching at Harvard. But I want to first say that the opportunity itself to fly to Boston, to drive out to Harvard's campus, to stay the night, and to walk into a lecture within Harvard Law and speak in front of students about legal operations would not have happened if I wasn't at a legal operations conference. And after the conference was over, like most good networking, some dinner and drinks and some conversations. And I spoke with somebody and I said, hey, you should really let me like talk to people at Harvard because I want to speak with attorneys. I want to speak with the people that I know from my law firm life and try and share with them what I've connected from the legal professional paralegal world into legal operations. And I, I think that there's a lot of room for that. And I think there'd be hunger and appetite and that over multiple conversations and some planning turned into a really great collaborative time and opportunity that allowed for myself and other individuals to give a lecture, a presentation, and speak on a panel about legal operations from different viewpoints. And my viewpoint was really from a legal professional, paralegal, and true business individual into legal operations. I think that is such an important piece of the puzzle is law schools engaging with the legal operations movement and community and legal technology community to build that awareness and understanding in the next generation of legal leaders. These are presumably many of the people in the room listening to your lecture were destined for AMLAW 100 firms, and many of them will end up as future general counsel or senior legal leaders themselves. And I'm sure many may consider a career path in legal operations themselves as well. And it's something I feel very strongly about as well, that 
those law schools that start to integrate that training and that education into their programs to give a more holistic understanding of how actually the business of law and legal service delivery works, where the industry is, is critical. And I've been lucky to have the opportunity to be involved in a few uh, programs, none at Harvard, but, uh, but it, it's great to see more and more law schools leading the way in understanding the importance of that. What is really rich and great about the future of the legal operations profession is understanding that there's some room for us to grow when it comes to standardized education. When we think about our legal operations career, they're more than just climbing a ladder, more than one rung at a time. They're they're jungle gyms. You know, we're always climbing up, but we're also moving sideways and diagonally and over, under, and around. Education provides a profession with more than book smarts. So I think it's important that strategically partnering to invest in our knowledge and our expertise and our resources to share. And so if anyone is out there listening and they know of a law school, of a paralegal program, of someone that is looking for education opportunities, I would really encourage them to to reach out to me and to reach out to our community because what we're trying to do is we are trying to build a coalition of individuals and it's something that I'm very passionate about is being able to have the opportunities to speak at law school programs, to speak at paralegal programs, to shift the conversation from, hey, maybe we can incorporate legal operations into your legal technology program. Or maybe instead of a master's degree in paralegal studies, maybe we can talk about a course or certificate in legal operations. And how can we start to include individuals who are helping connect the dots from the law firm side, from the private practice side, from the in-house legal operations side, from the legal tech and vendor side, it's a conversation for everyone. And I think there's enough pie to go around for everyone to share. 100% Tom. And as you were speaking there, I was thinking I must introduce you to a senior member of our data science team, Luis Alfreda Contreras, who has been lecturing in the University of Minnesota Law School, as well as Trinity College in Dublin on a, a program he developed coding for legal professionals, which which is tapping into that idea of legal professionals developing more technical skill sets, and having a better understanding of the role technology can play in legal service delivery. So I think he's very like-minded like yourself about that more holistic legal training and building that awareness of different career paths that now exist within the broader ecosystem. So I, I must connect you with, with Luis Alfredo after this as well. I look forward to that. And moving forward then to something that was a lot of fun and something I found kind of almost emotional was being back in person with people at the Clock Institute in Las Vegas back in May. It was great that we were able to connect again in person. And one of the things I kept hearing over and over again from maybe the newer generation of legal ops professionals in attendance was how useful they found the foundational training program that, that had been developed that you were heavily involved with. And it was one of the standout moments for them from the Institute. I'd be interested in understanding how that foundational training program came about that you developed for Clock and what it kind of provides for that next generation of legal ops professionals. Carl Morrison, the director of legal operations at Cosmopolitan and myself have been 
Longtime friends. We have very similar kind of career paths and journeys to get to where we are. We both were with deeply embedded within the paralegal community, served on national board association roles. So in doing that, we have always really been focused on education um, and certification. So what we did was we said, hey, let's think about how we can take all of the education and intro to paralegal programs, study materials that we have done through teaching at various universities or attending conferences and see if we can translate that directly into the legal operations community. And so what started off with us wanting to do that and using it within our professional roles and testing it out on our teams and our companies, we said, there's really something special here. So we reached out to Clock and really kind of started driving the conversation and saying, if you will give us a platform and an opportunity, we would be honored to really work together and put something together that was a Legal Ops 101 foundational class that we could do at CGI. And we worked with an educational committee and we worked in tandem with other individuals on doing the foundational training program. And it really was for us to be able to work together. So Adam Becker from Cockroach Labs, Bibiana Camello from Ben Colombia, Carl Morrison, myself, Laura from Delta Airlines, all of us really put time, energy, and passion into developing this program, this Legal Ops 101 workshop. And I will say that what makes teaching the Legal Ops 101 workshop at Clock's CGI conference different and quite frankly, more valuable and humbling compared to Harvard is that it was done in front of industry peers. And after speaking with individuals after the workshop, you could hear from them that they understood the concepts, that they were hungry, they were wanting to know more. And I think that was a great way to kick off Clock CGI conference to be able to start with an educational component that energized and invigorated individuals. And you could see that carry through the rest of the week. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And as I said, I think it was the session I heard the most about. You really hit the mark with it. And I think, again, testament to yourself and all of those other legal ops leaders that were involved in developing the program for giving back to the community in that way and developing the content when you're so busy with your day job. It isn't trivial to, to carve out that time to help that next generation as we spoke about. I'm going to put you on the spot now and ask you to kind of distill your kind of years of experience that you've built up over your career up to this point, what advice would you give to any paralegals that are considering a career in legal operations? I get asked this question often, and while the answer changes each time, it's really kind of the same advice that I give for individuals, whether they're looking to enter the legal operations profession, whether they are currently in the legal operations profession and looking to advance, or maybe they're stuck in a rut, or maybe they're at the top of their game and they're hungry and wanting more. I think a lot of it is a understanding what you want to learn how you want to get there and who you can surround yourself with. And the second half of the equation is networking. 
I mean, the years that I spent in the paralegal world and community over a decade from working at the job to getting certified, to getting my master's degree, to working with local paralegal associations and ultimately spending time on the national board of directors. All of those experiences were because I wanted to learn more. I was hungry to network and I wanted to really surround myself with individuals that were thought leaders that I could soak up information and really give it back to the community. And so that I'm applying to the legal operations community as well. I would encourage individuals who are passionate about learning more about the profession, who are hungry and motivated to learn from others and to continue to drive their professional career forward, should just dive in and really start swimming and get comfortable with this water because there's going to be more individuals and there will be more oceans that will be available. And I think that you investing in yourself and being able to dive into it and really learn from the community and network will pay dividends down the road. Um, I think such an important ingredient. I'm sure it can seem pretty daunting for people trying to build a network from when they're at an early stage in their career, but it is such a welcoming community as you've been speaking about one in which those kind of more experienced leaders like yourself are so willing to give back in terms of their time and their advice. And I think if individuals have that learning mindset, whether they come from a paralegal background, any other background, and are curious about legal operations, there's so much great content out there to start to understand the nature of the role. And, and whereas an entry point, as I was speaking to somebody recently about, there might be a good fit, whether they've got strong data analytics skills or change management skills, or coming from a strong finance background where they might be a good fit to step into the kind of financial management function in a legal department. I think there's so much opportunity. There's such an open community willing to give back and help people I think it is a really exciting time to be involved in the space. Final question from me, Tom. This is this has been a lot of fun. And as ever, I think we could have spent another few hours here discussing all things legal ops. What do you enjoy doing in what I suspect is the very little free time that you have? <laughs> I spend a lot of time really making the most of my personal free time and taking advantage of self-reflection and traveling and recharging the batteries, if you will. So while I'm actively involved in the legal operations community, a personal endeavor and passion of mine as well is I'm working on a podcast with Carl Morrison, where we are going to be kind of sharing stories of inspiration to address issues that allow people to really dig deep and find their personal and professional brilliance through some fun, catchy, and quick-witted Dear Abby-style segments. And so after spending time with that and, and, and learning more about that, that's fueled the fire for me to continue to attend musical events and travel. And so I'm looking forward to attending some musical events later this year, both in the United States and maybe an event over in Europe next year, in addition to spending as much time out in California, soaking up the sun and connecting with friends, whether it's in wine country or in the Palm Springs desert. 
Well, well, I hope, Tom, you enjoy enjoy the sunshine in Palm Springs. And uh, as ever, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up and learning from you and your journey. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure and I'm very excited to see where this community goes. I'm Alex Kelly, host of the In-House Outliers podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Brightflag, an AI-powered legal operations platform where corporate legal departments gain visibility into operations, maximize productivity, and engage with outside counsel strategically. If you like this episode, then you can find more information in our show notes. If you want to hear more, then you can also find more episodes at brightflag.com forward slash legal hyphen operations hyphen podcast. Thanks again for listening to the In-House Outliers podcast. We'll see you again next time.